Hey, we're really glad you're here. We're in a series, uh, like we said, called Climb. And what we've been talking about is when you want to get to a place in your life that you haven't been to before, a lot of times you have to go with uh, a group of people uh, to do that, to accomplish that. Thank you very much. You are a good-looking woman. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My microphone was on. I apologize. Uh, yeah, so... so uh, so oftentimes we think we can get to places that, that's my wife for those of you who are visiting. Just, uh, <laughs> like, like some of the visitors, because I, you know, you're just like, what is he, this, what kind of cult is this place? Um, so oftentimes we, we want to get to a certain spot. And again, if you're new and you're like, is it always like this? Yes. <laughs> not, not, not always, but... Um, and so, and this is true in, in every area, every aspect of our life. Oftentimes in our finances, in uh, our, the way we eat and all this kind of stuff. It helps to have accountability. It helps to have a group uh, helping you and pouring into your life and looking into your life and giving input and all this kind of stuff. It, it's, it's just better together. This is why we say here um, that, that it's better when you're here. It really is better when you're here. And so uh, the fact that you got up and you got dressed and you got here, these are big deals. These are acts, what we call acts of worship to God, because you're sacrificing part of your day. You're sacrificing these things for, for, those, for yourself, but for those around you as well. And so um, what we've been talking about is, is what happens now when we're together. What are some of the benefits of being together? What are some of the benefits of, of going through life together? This morning, what I'd like to talk about is something we hardly ever talk about when it comes to church, and that is conflict. How do you deal with conflict? Anytime you get a group of people together, whether it's uh, at a corporation, on a team, uh, on a a sports team, in a church, a family gathering, there is going to be conflict. And especially, especially when it's something like our church where we want it to be diverse. We want it to be uh, socioeconomically diverse. We want it to be culturally diverse. We want diversity. And so anytime you have more and more diversity, you get more and more opinions, more and more worldviews, more and more perspectives. And when you do that, you will get conflict. The, one of the ways to avoid conflict is just have everyone think the same. Well, the Word of God doesn't assume that at all. The Word of God, matter of fact, says the opposite. It says God has given us all different kinds of gifts. God has given us, shaped us in all different kinds of ways. And so if we're going to go through life together, if we're going to climb, and uh, if you think about an expedition, if you're going on an expedition with a group of people, um, you'll get to some spots in that expedition where there might be a fork in the road or there might be... um, Uh, Something you expected that isn't there or something you didn't expect that is there. And so what do you do? How do you handle conflict? Because conflict is going to come. Now, for those of you who are like, I don't want to be a part of your church and I don't want to go through that together, you can take exactly what I'm going to say this morning and bring it into your family dynamic. You can take, oh, sorry, we don't worry about it. Uh, You you can take exactly uh, what I'm talking about and take it into your uh, workplace, okay? And so what we're going to be talking about is how, when you get into a situation where there's a disagreement or we're shaping thoughts, how, what, is there anything we can do in order to make sure that conflict is not unhealthy conflict? 
Because oftentimes our families or our, or our corporate, our corporate uh, environments will fall into one of two categories. And you might, you might be in one of these two categories. They're generalizations. But one is you love conflict. You thrive in conflict. As a matter of fact, the louder it is and the more boisterous it is, uh, the better. Because that's what you just kind of thrive there. And some of it's unhealthy because you want to, it it keeps people off balance when you can be uh, upset or whatever. But for a lot of times, you just grew up in a family that that yelled a lot. My my family growing up, it would would be uh, not abnormal for someone just to, like, at the dinner table go, oh, you're out of your mind, <laughs> right? You know, you're out of your mind. And, and no one thought, thinks, like, I am not out of my mind. You know, it, it's just like, are you, what are you talking about? How am I, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing. That was our family dynamic. Or you might come from a family where you don't ever, no one ever raises their bo- voice. And you're on that other, other side. Well, it, are there some principles we can see from the Bible, either in church or school or in our, in our families, on how to handle conflict. Now, um, uh, I, I wanted to first open up with a story that will be woven through this entire section of Scripture. My wife and I have um, a, a, a friend, they're a couple, and um, they were going through some marital issues. And um, the, the wife was Lisa's friend, uh, and, and then the guy, he, he, he kind of came in, in later, and so... Uh, we'd do stuff together, but I wasn't really close to the guy. Well, um, what he would do is he would uh, quote scripture to his wife um, in order to win arguments. Like he, he, he would memorize all these scriptures, and then when she wanted to do something, he'd quote a scripture on why she couldn't do that. And when she wanted to buy something, he'd have a scripture for that. And, and so I just wanted to write this down. Just, this is just free. Um, it's a pro tip. Uh, use scripture against your spouse to prove your points. Um, it works really, really well. That's what it's there for, okay? Now, uh, uh, obviously, obviously that, that doesn't work. But here's what was happening. Their marriage was dissolving. And this guy would keep saying, but I'm right. I'm right. And, and, so, and so finally uh, the wife was ready to file for divorce and... Um, uh, I ended up calling this guy, we'll say his name's Steve. His name's Tim, but we'll just say it's Steve so that we don't, uh, it's, it's not either of those, okay? So, uh, so, so I call up Steve, I'm like, hey, Steve, what, what are you doing? He's like, she has to submit to me. It's in the Bible. Right? <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, and I said, I know it's in the Bible, okay? But you just can't, that isn't what it means. It's in the Bible. She has to submit to me. I said, Steve, right before then, it says, husbands, lay down your life for your spouse as Christ did the church. Are you doing that? And here's what his answer was. I don't have to do that. Even if I don't do that, she still has to submit to me. And now Steve was married before. <laughs> Shocker. Okay. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, and so I said, I said, Steve, Steve, listen, listen. Uh, let's say you're right. Let's say she has to submit to you if, if that, 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 that you're right. You, you are going to be right all the way through the divorce. And you're going to be right all the way into your third marriage. 
Now, do you, and, and I didn't have language for it then, but I have language for it now because we say this in our house all the time. Do you want to be right or do you want to get it right? Do you want to be right? Like, okay, I'm going to be right or do you want to get it right? Because in our most important relationships, being right doesn't really help, does it? <laughs> No, we want to get it right. We want to know how do we navigate this. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about when we get into those situations, and some of them are very, very important, where we have opinions, we're trying to guide something, we're trying to achieve something together. What what little things can we do to help ourselves get it right instead of just being right? Now, we're going to be in the book of James and the book of James is written by, uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, and we've said this before, but the cool, one of the things that, the reason I'm a follower of Jesus is because even Jesus' half-brother thought he was God, right? And if you can convince your brother that you're God, there's a really good chance you might be, okay? And so, because my brother, no way, right? And so, and so James writes this book, and uh, we've talked about this too. He, he's, he writes it very ADD. It's all over the place. It's like he wrote down a bunch of thoughts, and it should have been edited, but it wasn't. And so you'll find the same theme all through there. And the theme that we're going to look at this morning is in J- starting off in James chapter 3, verse 13. And what it's talking about is the fact that we do need wisdom. We do need conversations. We do need to hear from everybody. We do need to work together for a common goal. And when that happens, there's going to be differing opinions. And the Bible is fine with that. And it's fine to be in a church with differing opinions. Um, But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way. And so James chapter 3, starting in verse 13, starts this way. Who is wise and understanding among you? And And so in other words, what James is trying to say is, we need to get to that wisdom. Okay, but there's a way to get to that wisdom and there's a way not to get to that wisdom. And so James sets out some parameters and these are these are such important parameters and they might stop you from talking in the next argument you get into. Here's what he says. So you're really wise and you got a lot of understanding. You've got some really great ideas. Here's how it's going to manifest itself. Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Uh, one of the wacky sayings that I have all the time is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This is where that comes from. That you, you might have great ideas. You might be able to solve all the problems in your company, all the problems in your family, all the problems with your spouse, all that kind of stuff. You know how that's going to manifest itself? Through your good life your good deeds done in humility. That talking is not the first line of defense when it comes to bringing change or bringing in a perspective. And we've all met those people where their talk doesn't match their life. And they'll give you advice on all kind of stuff. And, uh, but when you actually look at their life, you're like, why, why would I even listen to you? And so this is the beginning. This is the framework in which James is trying to get this down. And, and honestly, some of us could just stop right there and go, you know what? From here on out, I'm going to keep, for this week, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and work on me, okay? Um, another way the Bible says this is uh, stay in your lane, okay? That's, uh, that, that's what, where that comes from. Oh, I'm kidding. Okay. But the wisdom which comes from heaven, listen to this, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit 
impartial, and sincere. The wisdom that comes from above, from heaven, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Listen to what it says after this. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So already what James is doing is he's giving a framework of, of what you do when you're in a situation where there's differing opinions, there's wisdom that needs to be attained, we're trying to figure out the best course of action. It should look like peaceable. There can be sharp disagreement. Absolutely there can be. There can be even um, uh, sticking your heels in just to go, man, I'm really, I'm, I feel very, very strongly about this. But what it's going to look like to anyone else watching is that it's going to be pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now, you're like, you have never been at one of our team meetings at work <laughs> because it's, you know, or you've never, you know, uh, you, you, you're, we're in environments all the time that are, are, are not that. And so the question that I had this morning was why? Why, why is it that, and, and it might be a certain relationship with you. It might be with your spouse. There's a certain topic. When it gets onto that topic, you become two different people. <laughs> Like all the other topics, everything's fine. You get on like finances and it's like he's totally different, she's totally different. And it's like, I don't know why we can't, we, it, it'll never be peaceable. It, it might be something else. It might be what, what, how to discipline the kids or something like that. Or you might have a boss or a coworker and you, you get along with every single other coworker. But this particular coworker, it just gets, it's just like oil and, 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 and water. What, what is that? Well, James, uh, we'll move to chapter 4, uh, verse 1. James goes into this. Why do we fight in an unhealthy way? And the, the answer is going to shock you, but it's very, very encouraging. Here's what he says. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, if you can, and maybe, maybe you're the type of person that avoids conflict at all costs, and so you're like, I've never been in an argument in my life, because you're a stuffer, and so you just keep shoving it all down until one day your head explodes. Um, but but that, that might be you. But for most of us, we can kind of go back to the last argument we had where it didn't really work out very well, or what we, would, we would come back and say, you know what, that wasn't very healthy. Uh, I, I wish I had done that different, or I wish we had engaged in that different. And this is where Paul is. What caused that unhealth? Now, you tell me, uh, oh, well, I'll tell you what caused it. My husband, because he's insane. You know, or, well, you know, or, or, or um, my, you know, what caused it was the fact that my boss will not listen to me, and it drives me crazy. That's partially true. That is kind of what caused it. But there's something much deeper than that. And, 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 and when you read this, because when I read it, I pushed back against it and, and tried to figure out a different way to preach this so that it wouldn't affect me so much. Um, but I couldn't. This is the truth, okay? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, again, you're like, no. 
It really does come from my psycho teacher that won't listen to anything I say. I, I, I get that. But here's the thing. What if, what if the next time you get into a situation where there's conflict or you get into a thing that starts to turn uh, sideways a little bit, you could actually change you? What if you could take that thing, that, that, the thing that's just driving you crazy about this particular situation, or this, and you, you could change you? This is exactly what Paul is saying. When you get into a situation where it starts to go south, there's something going on in you. Now, we hate to hear that. We think it's unfair because we have, you know, if, if, if you could tell me the story... You, you, you're like, if I told you this story, you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt. It has nothing to do with me. It's 100% them. James would disagree. Here's what he says. <clears throat> Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Here's, here's, how, here's how it would look in your own life. You're at um, a meeting at work. And you're talking about the direction of the company and there's something you're around, whatever, the board table or maybe you're working the warehouse and uh, it's a team meeting down in the warehouse and all this kind of stuff. And things start to go in a different direction and you know this is the wrong direction to go. And so you might say, I'm just upset because we're going in the wrong direction. I would almost guarantee you there's something deeper than that because I don't care if your company goes in the wrong direction. I could be in that situation. I wouldn't be upset at all. Even if I thought it was the wrong, there's some other ownership. There's something else that's going on. Maybe it's fear, fear of losing your job, fear of um, uh, a, a reorganization where you don't have the position that you used to have. Uh, maybe you're in a conversation with one of your kids and it's about grades, okay? And so you would tell me, the way you would explain it to me is, I just want their best, and I would agree 100%. That is, that is definitely your motive. But there's something else, I would guess, that's happening. There's some fear. There's some type of a thing that, if, man, if they, don't get, if they don't get these grades, they won't get into this college, and they won't get this job, and then this, and then they're going to be 45, and they're going to be living at home. Okay? <laughs> and so you're like, just do your homework. I don't want you to live at home. Okay. This is exactly where James wants you to be. Now, Maybe you get so good at this that you can actually do that. Like you can actually say, no, I'd really like you to do your homework because I don't want you living at home. That's my deep-seated fear, okay? And, I, and it, you might get there. It takes time to get to that place. But what James is saying is there's something going on in you that you need to identify. Now, go back to that argument I was talking about and begin to look at it through that lens, through the lens James wants you to look at it. And here, here's... Here's the question next time you get into that argument, or maybe you're looking back at it. What, what do I really want? What do I really want? See, for my, our friend Steve, who uh, uh, he would have told me that what he wants is he wants a biblical household. He wants a household that runs on the Bible. 
He wants a household that, does, that, that speaks the truth. He wants to have, and, 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 and all those things would sound really great. We, Christians do a fantastic, a phenomenal job of over-spiritualizing uh, uh, our, our insecurities. And so uh, there would be a lot of that language. There would be, I'm, I'm the head of the household language. And so God has placed the mantle of authority upon me that I'm, you know, there's all, all this. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Here, okay. What do I really want? I believe the answer to his question is, I want to control her. That's what I want to do. I want a wife I can control. Now, here's the problem. You and I might think to ourselves, well, if, then, then I'm the problem. <laughs> like, like, if I do that, then, then it lets them off the hook to do it. It, it's not, like I said, there still can be conflict, but it is going to help you and it is going to help me if I can identify what it is I really want. Because in identifying that, we begin the process, and we're going to see how to answer this in, in, a, uh, in a second, uh, we, we begin the process of being able to bring that kind of wisdom that's peaceable, that's pure, that's calm. That, 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 that bring, allows the Holy Spirit. If I know it's my insecurities. So uh, a friend of mine was a pastor. Oh, he, he still is a pastor. Um, but he's been a pastor at the same church for about 30-something years. And when he got there, it was dying. It was, uh, it was just a... Everybody was up, up there in age. And... Um, there was a very few of them. And so they're going to hire this young pastor. He was in his early 20s when he got, got to the uh, church. And there's many, many stories about really dysfunctional churches and, and, and boards and all that kind of stuff. And so he shows up and, uh, you know, he's, he's young. He's right out of seminary. He's like ready to take on the world. And so this board, the, the, their main board, before he got there, put all new carpet in the sanctuary to, as kind of a welcome gift. You know, you, you, you get new carpet, you know. And, and so that now when you lead us, you, we can... You know, you'll feel proud to invite people into church and on, on the new carpet. So, he does. He gets there, new carpet, everything's good. All 20 people are, you know, sitting in the seats. And he, and he begins to share the vision of what he's going to do. And that vision had to do with reaching that next generation. And everybody, oh, the next generation, yeah, it's so important. You, you have to reach the ne- next generation. Got to do it. Young people, it's the lifeblood and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Well, well, he begins to reach the next generation, uh, which um, can bring conflict because there's one generation, there's another generation, and uh, oftentimes, and I didn't know if you knew this or not, but sometimes they have different worldviews, okay? And um, that's just a free thing you can take on out of here when you leave. Um, and so he decides to have this big event at church with all these youth, and so at that Back in that day, you could go on campus and pass stuff out and all this kind of stuff. And he's just, the ministry is just going great. And, and then the kids all come in to the sanctuary. And, and so the, one of the board members pulls uh, my friend aside and says, um, you know, the, this is new carpet. And uh, the kids are, they're going to they're gonna dirty the carpet. Now, you and I would go, oh, that's terrible and all this kind of stuff. But you have to understand what, what's really at stake here. 
You've got these competing visions of what, a, what, what is a church all about. You've got one that says it's to have people from the outside come in. And you've got another that says it's to preserve what we have on the, on the inside. Now, what language is used is not, we just bought this and I'm really stingy and, I, and I'm afraid that it's going to get ruined. And we, can't, we don't have the money to replace it. That, what, what, the way it, uh, it works in, in, in the church is this. We have to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us, okay? Now, we laugh, but we do that kind of stuff all the time in our family dynamics, at work, all this. What comes out of our mouth sounds really lofty, but on the inside, there's a desire, there's a fear, there's something. And for that, for that, that guy wasn't against youth. That isn't what he, because that's the other thing, is that then the other person fires back and it's like, oh, you hate children. It's like, no, no, there's this fear that we've just invested all this money into this thing and if this doesn't work and, and, and the kids mess it up, now we don't have really good carpet and, and the kids aren't here and, and we're going to die, the church is going to die. That was the fear. That's what was really going on. And so now, fortunately, like I said, he's, my friend has been at this church uh, for over 30 years. So it all worked out fine. And he was able to navigate those waters. But, but the reason he was able to navigate those waters is because he knew his own fears. He could have just lashed out and was thinking to himself, if we don't get these kids in here, this church is going to die. And me and my young wife are going to be out on the streets. And so there could have just been this. But he knew that. He said, you know what? Well, let's... Let's move forward in this. And so, what do I really want? That's the question we ask. So watch what happens if we don't get a hold of this. If we don't understand what it is that's going on inside. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. Now, we can read this and just dismiss it because we've never, well, a, a large amount of us haven't killed anybody. But the, the, we can just dismiss that and go, oh, kill. But we kill all the time. Little cutting remarks. Oh, oh is, that what, is that all you're going to do today? Okay, great. You know, we do that kind of stuff. Hey, should you be eating that? Uh, you know, just these little, little things because why we're scared of something or we think, oh no, or it's not going to work out or um, uh, didn't you just buy one of those? Yeah. We, we have these ways of jabbing and, 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 and going after it. And we do this at home. We do it in our offices. We do it in the church. Because we, we want something, we can't get it, and so we try to squeeze it out of somebody. And it might, be, it might be your parents that you're trying to squeeze it out of. It might be one of your kids that you're trying to squeeze it out. It might be a relationship, but you're just trying to get... That my, my friend Steve wanted to just... He wanted to control his wife. And so every little thing was a jab. Every little quote of Scripture was a way to control and manipulate. And the Lord says, No. Stop. What is going on inside of you? The source of quarrels among you is that you have desires that battle within you. Find out what they are. He says, you desire and do not have, and so you kill. You covet, but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Now listen to this. Because we get to a thing like this, and you say, okay, John, okay, okay. I'll admit, 5% of it is my fault, <laughs> okay? I'll, I'll admit that, okay? 95% is theirs, but I will work on my 5 or 4.5% thing that, that's mine. 
Well, how do you do that? What, what, do you, what do you do? You just, is it just identifying it? That would, that would be horrible if all it was was just I, I look inside myself and I see what my fears are and all this kind of stuff and I go, okay, well, you know what? I'll, I'll work on that. This is why I love this next verse. Here's what uh, James says. You covet and you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Listen to this. You do not have because you do not ask God. That in the midst of this argument or in the midst of trying to get your way or in the midst of trying to manipulate or control or all this kind of stuff, you can take a deep breath and step back and go, Heavenly Father, you know what my insecurity is. You know why I want this so badly for my husband or my wife or my son. I'm not going to try to control this, manipulate this, force this, get this. I'm going to you. You are the one who's in control. You are the one who's going to do all the heavy lifting. And so James is saying that the reason there's these quarrels and the reason all these things are going on is because, number one, we have these battles that are raging within us, and we think that we are in control. We think that if we don't say it this way, they're not going to get it. We think if we don't uh, kind of come around here and either triangulate or do these kinds of things or take a few jabs or try to manipulate everything, that it's not going to work out and we're going to miss out. And you know what James says? Wow, that is a big fear. Why don't you take that to the Lord? Why don't you see what he has to say about that? What, What do you really want? I want to control my wife. Why? What if you can't? Do you get enough from your relationship with God that can fill in those gaps? Well, I'm afraid that if, 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 if I don't do this at the job, then they're going to make these mistakes, and then we're not going to make our Christmas bonus, and then I can't get my kid the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, and then I got, you know, all this. I got, ah, hey, 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 hold on, stop. Just t- take it to the Lord. What, okay, what, what if you didn't make your Christmas bonus? What, what then? Can God come in and fill that need? Can God come in and restore? Can God come in and bring peace? Can God take the empty and dark places of your life, the places of failure, the places of insecurity, can he come in and bring redemption and restoration in there? Absolutely he can. And it takes the burden off of us to have to win the fight. Because if we're right, great. But if we don't get it right, our relationships are going to suffer. He goes on because it gets worse. Um, he says, you have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend it, what you get on your pleasures. Now, this is not just about finances or anything like that. What, 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 what's happening here is James doesn't want you to just bring it to God once and say, uh, okay, Lord, you know, I, I, I give it to you. He wants to wrestle with you. He wants to continue to have this conversation. Like, no, We're not going to just fix it right now. Maybe I want you to go through this period at your work or in your church or at your, uh, in your family or whatever to teach you, to mold you, to shape you so that those things that are battling within you can be healed. And so we just continue to bring it before the Lord. It's not just that we go, Lord, you know, we got to make Christmas bonus. Go! You know, and then, and, and then there we go. 
The Lord wants to have this conversation. Why? What, what, what's going on? What if your kids don't get the toy you wanted or whatever? Or maybe it's even deeper than that. What, what if your marriage does continue to struggle? What if your child continues to struggle in school or continues to... What if your boss doesn't change? What if, what if, what if? Let's talk about that for a while. And, and what we'll find, um, at least what I've found in my own life when I've been able to do this process, and I struggle with it like anybody else in all sorts of different areas, is that as I have that conversation with God, and as I begin to give him more and more of my life, I find that I don't really need to win the same arguments I thought I had to win before. As uh, Ajua comes back up, um, we're going to, uh, typically for those who are new, um, Ajua will listen to what I'm saying as I'm saying it, and she'll write poetry, which she shares on, on uh first thing. And so she's going to share a a poem. Um, And then we're going to sing a song uh, that we sang over the last few weeks called Never Once. And and, uh, we do do quite a bit in this portion of of our service. One of the things we do is we fill out those connection cards. And again, if you're new here, we'd love to get your information. We're not going to bug you or what have, what have you, but we want to make sure that you feel connected to what's going on here on a Sunday morning. And, and then for those of us who call this our church home, we fill out those connection cards too. A lot of us will just put our name on there because we already have all the other information. But so we fill those out. The most important part of that prayer, that connection card, is that those prayer requests on the front. We read every single one of them, and we pray for every single one every single week. Um, and so, if you have a prayer request you want to write on there, you can you can do that as you fill out your connection cards. Another thing we do is we take our offering. And again, if you're new, you might say, "Well, I don't." give to God. I'm just here. And that's fine. That's fine. This is just the time when we do that. We don't pass a plate. We just, if someone's preparing checks or cash or whatever, we do it during this time. And then we take those things at the end of the service, both the connection cards and the offering, and we put them in a box that's in the back there. But Audra's going to read her poem. And then my prayer is this. Some of you right now are in battle. (laughs) Maybe it is with your spouse. Uh, Maybe it is with one of your kids. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's at work or at school or whatever. There's this conflict and quarrel among you. I would ask you to just take a little bit of time to go, Lord, what is happening inside of me? What do I really want? What what am I scared of? What what insecurity is is bothering me? What, What fear? Where do I need to change? And my prayer is that you would hear from God this morning. And then uh, when we're done with that, and, and, uh, when, during that time, we're going to sing this song called uh, Never Once. And the, the line of this that I want us to, we'll get a chance to sing it all together. Never once have I ever walked alone. The whole song talks about this idea that God is with you now, that you can actually lose the battle and win the war because God is with you. And so as we take this time and we do that, um, I would love for you to connect with God by asking him about 
this battle that's going on. And number two, as we sing together, that you might connect with him that way as well. Let me pray. Lord, we are thankful that uh, we've never walked alone. You've never left us on our own. We are, uh, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. Lord, I pray as we um, enter into all different areas of conflict, and some of them are very healthy and they're great conversations, and we're passionate about these things. Lord, I just pray you'd give us that pure and peaceful and sensible wisdom to be able to add to these conversations. But Lord, where there is that unhealthy quarreling, the unhealthy strife, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would infuse your spirit into our lives. Uh, that we would be the ones to change. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.